How many of you are so tired of hearing about the Great Resignation? Unfortunately, it's going to be around for quite a while. As record numbers of people have quit their jobs, all sectors of the economy are struggling to fill vacancies to encourage people to go back to work. Now, one solution is that many companies are changing long-standing policies. I hear about other companies that are offering trendy incentives, but the challenge still remains, and believe it or not, perks and pay are not significant enough to guarantee retention. And long-term commitment is going to require different kinds of leadership. So what's the answer you're asking? Well, to speak on this dilemma, I've invited Dr. Beth Banks-Cohn, an accomplished organizational consultant and thought leader. Beth is regarded by many as the authority on leadership and change. She's an international speaker on key aspects of executing organizational change initiatives that stick. Her passion for educating people has positioned her with clients to feel empowered, to thrive in an era of uncertain times. So please join me in welcoming Beth to this podcast. Thank you so much, Roz. And it is such a pleasure to be here. We've talked about this topic so many times offline. I'm excited to speak with your clients and your listeners about this really important topic. Let me ask you some questions then to start with this great resignation. What's your take on it? I think actually it's been a long time coming. And I, although I think the pandemic pushed it forward a little bit and maybe made it seem a little bit bigger than it is, I think it was going to happen anyway. Because I think the reasons why people are leaving their jobs have so much to do with the environment that they work in, the culture that they work in, and the people that they work for, the leaders that are in their organizations. And I think there's been a growing discontent around that, that has really been fueled by this younger generation that's entering the workforce. So I think it it would have happened anyway. I think the pandemic just made it happen sooner. And I think it just feels bigger because of everything that we've been through since the pandemic began. Yeah, I would say the pandemic accelerated it, but it was Mm -hmm. way before. And in, in my role as a coach, as you are as well, I've noticed over the years that people were getting discontented with the work that they were doing with the ambiance, with the kind of leadership. So right now, focusing on making managers better for their people not to leave, what are some of your suggestions? Yeah, so I think I've said this for many years, and I I think it's very sad that the great resignation finally is uh, giving people an incentive to listen to this idea that the most important thing you can invest in as a company owner or a leader of a company is your people managers in making them great people managers. And we we know from studies that people do leave bad managers, not as much as they're leaving them now, but they in the past they have left bad managers. But companies really didn't see the need to do anything about it. And I think finally there's been this confluence of many people leaving and companies really being able to see that one of the reasons, one of the big reasons is because they have not invested in their people managers. I think there's probably a couple of things that you can do. One is really hold people managers accountable for being great people managers. Often we give people management titles and then we say, well, you have to do all this work. And oh, by the way, you have 15 people to manage as well. And I think that that's 
really hard to do. And it's hard to do either of them well. And something gets missed. And it's often the people management side because it's the hard, usually the hardest side. So really holding people accountable for it and giving them the space and the resources to do it. So not compounding, we're having so many people work for you and giving you lots of sort of day-to-day tasks to do as well. So I think it's really looking at that manager job and really restoring it to what it used to be many, many, many years ago, which was managing people and first and foremost. So that's one thing that companies can do. Really investing in your people managers to make sure that they have the skills and also being more discerning about who becomes a people manager. Many people become managers because that's the way to progress in an organization and it's a means to an end, but it's not what they want to do. Today, I talked to somebody who said to me, I really don't like managing people as much as I thought I would. And we had a conversation about what does that mean from a career perspective? Like, can they get into another position that's equally as enriching for them as a, from a career perspective if they don't manage people? But I think it's really helping people understand that you don't have to be a people manager to progress because we really just want people who really want to manage people in those jobs. And I, I think it's also it's also making sure that managers have the coaching that they need. You know, one of the things that I've seen grow in popularity are these organizations outside of companies that offer coaching to people at all levels. And I think this has been critical for people managers. I participate in that through a company and working with people managers, new managers who just need somebody to talk to, that their their managers can't provide them the level of support that they need. And being able to really support managers in that way, I think, is also really, really important. I wanted to add something with my experience that I'm noticing often is that when I'm called in as an executive coach from an external perspective, uh, usually I get feedback from the person's leader or manager. And it's a surprise to the person I'm coaching. I said, you don't know about this? No, I was never told this. So I'm not sure that the coaching that the managers are getting is the right kind of coaching that's going to help their people to be successful. And and I think that leadership really has nothing to do with rank. It's about being responsible for taking care of the people around us. And they're not necessarily being coached in the right fashion for the multiple generations. What are your thoughts on that? Totally agree with you, Roz. And, and I love what you said about, you know, that leadership is possible at all levels. Like you don't have to be in a leadership position really to, to show leadership. Uh, and I do totally agree with you. One of the things that I find also getting called in as an executive coach is that often I'm brought in to tell this person something that they've needed to be told for many years, but nobody wanted to tell them. Yes, yes, <laughs> for sure. And honestly, like, I'm happy to take the money, but it's so, it's such a preventable thing. I once coached someone who, honestly, I think probably this conversation that I had with them was probably seven years in the making. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's such a disservice to that person and to all of the people that worked for that person. And all because the boss just didn't want to have that conversation with them. And so when I say, supporting managers, I mean, supporting people managers, I mean, at every level, I mean, there are vice presidents who could use a little support in really being the best people manager that they can be. And honestly, being a people manager is being a leader. 
And I think what you said about, you know, being responsible for the people around you, to me, to me, if you are not a good people manager, you are not a good leader. And the best leaders that I know, people that went on to become CEOs of corporations were amazing people leaders. And that that's what we need. We need people to realize that it's not an either or. You know, we used to say, oh, are you a manager or a leader? As if being a manager was a bad thing and being a leader was a good thing. But really, if you're not a great people manager, you have no chance of being a great leader. And the sooner we put those two things back together after having taken them apart for so many years, I think the better off companies will be. It's interesting. I had a discussion recently where someone was bringing me in to teach their people how to be great coaches. And I said, well, what about you, you know, how, how are you finding coaching? And he said, oh, I've taken so many courses. I've been around so long. I don't need it. And what ended up happening is I found out that he was conflict adverse. He never told the truth to people. And if you told him something, explained it in a way that impacted on your people, he felt you were complaining. So the leadership team, consequently, were not being transparent and their people were being impacted. And then they were wondering why were they having this, you know, exodus from the company? You know, people today, I think that they want to feel that what they do matters. They want to feel a sense of belonging and they want to feel that they are getting developed in a healthy, holistic manner and not being cloned to be a certain way. What are your thoughts? I think what you said about, you know, being developed and, and, um, you know, belonging and really being able to look up to their leaders, right? Being able to respect them. I've worked with people that have left their company because they don't respect the leadership. I mean, years ago, that never would have happened. We, we would have just put our heads down and just kept working, right? But now people, people look at their leaders and they say, you know what? You're not being transparent. You're not telling us the truth. We're not, we're not going to work here. And I think it's something that the pandemic really reinforced that all of a sudden people had time to really think about where they were and what they were doing. And that sense of purpose that is so, so, so important to people that they really do need to believe in what they're doing. And all of a sudden they had extra time, right? Cause they weren't slogging away at commuting all the time and, and, or getting on planes all the time. And they really had time to reflect and they realized that they needed more whatever that happened to be, they needed to be more connected to the leadership, to their, to people around them, to feel like they did belong, that they weren't an outlier, that if they had something critical to say, that they could say it and that they would be rewarded for saying it because it helped to make people better and to make the organization better. And I think that's all part, to me, all part of that great resignation. And I think as companies, companies were unprepared. They were just unprepared because things were going along for so long and if you're a large corporation, many of these things don't even show up on the radar because you're not, it's too large, right? In smaller organizations, it's obviously, it becomes known a lot faster. Like if you have a, if you have a bad manager in a small company, you know that pretty quickly. In a larger company, not so much. So I think it's definitely something that um, the companies not just need to give lip service to, because that's the other thing. Like we've had, we've had diversity and equity and inclusion around for a while. I mean, in the eighties, we talked about it, right? Companies talked about it. Some companies, at least the companies that I was in talked about it. And, and, and yet it, it never, it never sort of got the traction that it needed. And I think from a DEI perspective today as well, I think, I think companies 
can't just give it lip service anymore. They have to actually do something. And I think it's the same about people managers. They need to do something, take some action, show their people that they care about them, that they care about their careers, and that they know that the key to a great career and a great work experience is that first line manager, their direct manager. Oh, for sure. For sure. I feel that they have to look at their uh, employees as stakeholders and really show their trust and and really try to see what the employee needs to be fulfilled and and not just have them do their job. But but I want to take it a little further now because I know that a lot of companies are struggling with wanting to have their people come back to the office And I'm hearing more and more that employees are saying, I don't want to go back to the office. And what's the purpose? No one's there. It's not like we have our whole team. Uh, They're picking certain days to show up. What what do you think is the answer to retaining great talent and managing this hybrid world that we're forced to address? What the pandemic showed us was that people can be highly productive and highly creative, but not have to be in person. People are saying, listen, you've let me work remotely for this long. I'm actually doing a really great job for you. Like there's no reason for me to have to come back to the office all the time. So I think the answer is probably a hybrid. You can come in a certain number of days or not, or give people choice. You know, this flexible work arrangement, right? Where you come in when you need to come in. Like if there's a team meeting, everybody comes in. But if there's not a team meeting, you can work at home. Like really understanding the implications of that. I've seen people leave jobs because they're not coming back in the office four days a week or even three days a week. And I think that one of the things that companies need to realize and leaders of companies need to realize is, is that it's not about them. Just because they want to see people around or that makes them more comfortable. What did they do when we couldn't be around, right? What they did was people just got to work and they just did their jobs. And they didn't spend time commuting. They didn't spend time worrying about about sort of did they work nine to five or did they work and get the work done? Like for the first time, the output was more important than the butts and seats. And so I think the answer is some kind of hybrid, but really focusing on like, do you need to be in the office? Listen, there are some jobs that need to be in the office, Right. You know, there are labs where people have to come in because they don't have a lab at home. But these are people that have been working all during the pandemic as well. But there are many jobs that that don't. And if you're in one of those jobs, having that freedom is definitely something that will keep you there. And by the way, there are so many companies now, small companies anyway, that are that that have that option as fully remote. It's not even a benefit anymore that people just expect it. But if you're in a larger organization that has a footprint, that has an office, there is more of this push-pull. And I think companies really need to think about leaders and the companies really need to think about their people, not themselves. Like it makes them feel good to see people, but their people don't necessarily need to see them. And I think that's, to me, that's something that they really need to keep in mind. That takes us into another challenge, because as a leader pre-pandemic, we didn't really have to worry about building teams virtually. And a lot of um, leaders right now have challenges in how do we get teams to be more transparent and to come together more as one when they're operating from home and not showing up. Have you any suggestions for being a leader today and, and what needs to shift in your leadership style to really bring camaraderie and trust to teams? 
Yes, I mean, I, I think teams can be built and nurtured over Zoom or over, you know, another another video uh, type application. I think it's a, a matter of putting the time in because I, I think we did it during the pandemic. Like, it's not like teamwork fell apart during the pandemic. What we did discover was if you weren't a good team leader in person, you were you were not a good team leader on Zoom either. Like, it goes back to sort of being a great people manager. If you're not a great manager of your team, you know, whether you're in person or in Zoom, on Zoom, it just makes it more apparent, but you weren't a great team leader either. You know, when you were in person, it just, it just didn't show as much. And I I think we need to focus on doing the things that build teams. Like you have to nurture a team. You have to, you have to encourage a team. You have to, uh, you have to take actions that build trust among team members. Team members have to take actions that build trust and build relationships. And it's not its not as easy as it was in the office, but to be perfectly honest, it wasn't that easy in the office either. We just had this, um, we just had this illusion that because we were all in the same place, we were working as a team. And I, I, I mean, I do a lot of work with dysfunctional teams. I can tell you that is absolutely not true. And, and I think we just say, oh, well, you know, that's why we're not working well as a team because of Zoom. No, you weren't working well as a team before. And so really taking a hard look at what you are doing to nurture your team, what you are doing to help your team build the relationships that they need, whether they're in person or they're not in person, and uh, and and really being able to think about your role as the team leader in making sure that there's equity, that everybody on your team is heard, that you respect and get input from everyone on your team. And you know, when we were in person, we would say, oh, we're going to have a team meeting. But, you know, sometimes team leaders just sort of met with a couple of people very informally and didn't include the rest of the team. And now it's harder to do that, right? Because now you have to be, you have to sort of put that on the schedule. I just just want to say to your point, because I think it's important about, you know, making people feel inclusive and part of the team. That's a real big challenge. What I'm finding is that companies are looking to build trust now in this virtual world and they think that you know come on in Roz uh, let's put together a program on trust and I said you can't just say we're going to be teaching you trust you really have to emulate qualities that result in I call it vulnerability trust where you are really creating that safe feeling where people are open they're not afraid to have courageous conversations how do you uh, perhaps share ideas around building trust from a perspective of being a kind of leader that people want to trust? The way to build trust is to be trustworthy. And it's very simple. It sounds simple. But yes. What? It sounds so simple. Right. It's, it's, it sounds very simple. And you need to, when you are being trustworthy, you need to always act in 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 a way that People will trust you. So transparency, um, telling the truth, telling, you know, not uh, not telling tales out of school, not gossiping, not saying bad things about people like the this is what engenders people to trust you. Do what you say you're going to do. If you say you're going to do something, you need to do it. And that that's true whether you're on Zoom or you're not on Zoom. I mean, these are these are things, you know, if you tell an employee, 
oh, you know, they say, oh, I want to be promoted. I'd like to, you know, I'd like to go get up to the next level or be promoted to the next level. And you say, oh, well, that's going to be in the works. And, uh, and, you know, we're going to try and do that within the, you know, within six months. And, and then they never hear about it again. And you don't do it. That's not acting in a trustworthy way. Or maybe having that conversation with them about why they're not ready to be promoted and what they need to do to be promoted. But it, but it is about, to your point earlier, about having difficult conversations and courageous conversations. It's, it's being able to have those conversations in a way that allows space for everybody to talk and that there's no, there's no judgment from the perspective of, oh, your, your, your perspective is, you know, I don't want to use the word stupid, but, you know, often, often managers make their people feel stupid if they have a, a different perspective. And so I, not often, but often enough. Um, but I, I think that that's, I think that's part of it is really being able to have those conversations. And, and honestly, for some people, those conversations are way harder in person. I mean, to me, Zoom is a, is probably, it was a great way for leaders to really try all these behaviors out because it's, it's probably easier because you're not literally in physical proximity. Um, but I, I think that, I think from a, from a building trust perspective, acting in a trustworthy way every time, all the time, and not deviating from that. You know, if you say something that you thought was true in a meeting and you find out it wasn't or it's changed to go back to your team and say, hey, I know I said this at that moment it was true, but now this is what happened and this is, this is now the truth, I think, I think is really important. Yeah, what I'm hearing you say, I mean, it's so important to be open, transparent, uh, just to piggyback off of your wisdom uh, is also to admit mistakes when, you know, if you if you mess up, but to also say when you don't know something, I respect leaders right now when they say we've never done this before, the times are really different. And so I'm, I don't know the right answer. I'm hoping and engaging people to hear feedback. I think that's really important. And also to be present. Beth, have you ever seen, because I've seen this, where I'm doing a, a training on Zoom and the leader is there and I notice that they're not looking at the camera, they're multitasking, they're texting. I'm thinking you're bringing me in to empower your people to be better and you're not even giving them your attention. And I almost want to call them out and say, hey, listen, why are you paying for me to be here? You're not supporting your people. You're not walking your talk. And I feel sad for the people that are involved and are giving their attention. They want to grow and get better. And the leader doesn't really acknowledge it. Uh, and one other thing that I'm finding that it happens from time to time, and I'd love your opinion, 360, we know it's a very valid tool. Uh, leaders get to hear about areas where they could get better. Uh, and I often find where, oh, yeah, I've done a 360. And I say, where is it? Oh, it's in my drawer or a virtual drawer. But they don't go back to their people. They don't share what they've heard. They don't tell them what they're going to be working on themselves. So here I am filling out 360 for different people, and I'm not getting any feedback after of what they've done with the feedback I've given them. Have you noticed that happens? So what I do when I coach people is it's part of it's part of my process and they have to do it and I have to hear about what happened is that they go back to their people and they say I heard you you gave me a lot to think about and these are the top two things that I'm going to start working on first 
And I'm looking forward to getting feedback from you about how I'm doing in these two areas as I move forward. So to so they don't they don't get a pass from me. And I tell them about that upfront that this is part of the process and they have to do it and I'm gonna check. Right. Because then I go to the people and I say, did he do this or did she do this? Because it's so critical, Roz, so critical. If somebody says to me, I have a 360 and I stuck it in a drawer and they don't go back to their people and tell them what they heard, what was the point? I mean, to, that, is acting, that is acting in a way that is not trustworthy. If I t- spend my time giving you feedback and you don't tell me that you heard me, you're not being trustworthy. And that's, that's right. one of those things around being acting trustworthy. It's a great example, Roz, and, and so troubling. So troubling. And that's why I made a part of my process. And you know me, I'm, I'm pretty strict when it comes to stuff like that. Like, that's my process. We're going to follow my process because I know the process works. And it, it helps them be accountable to themselves, but also to their people. And the reason I'm doing the 360 is because they're obviously doing something that is not working with their people. So if they're serious about changing, then then they'll do it without even questioning me. But they're going to do it no matter what. Right. And we've covered lots of topics. You know, the good news is uh, with my mother always used to say with bad comes good. The pandemic was not good, but people started to step back and really have to reassess their life, reevaluate, reflect on, on how they live. So that's been wonderful. And I'm starting to see that people are looking for meaning. They're looking for purpose, not just in their personal life, but in their business, in their relationships. So we we have some, I think, great opportunities to make this a better world. If you were going to share any advice with someone who has the privilege of managing people before we close off, what would that be? Here I'm putting you with all these (laughs) last minute questions, but wonder what your thoughts are. So I, I would say my advice always is really in, enjoy the ride. There's so many things that you're going to learn about your people, but also about yourself. I mean, being a people manager is being in a constant learning mode. And if you love to learn and you love to grow, being a people manager is the best. So I, I always say enjoy the ride. And if you find that you're not enjoying the ride, get out do something else. You'll do your people and yourself a big service. It's really not a destination. It's a journey. You have helped me over the years. I forgot to mention many years ago, you brought me into J&J and uh, took a stand, a very strong stand to make sure that I had a voice. And since then, I've had the privilege of working with that wonderful company. And I thank you. I thank you for the wisdom over the years when I was stuck and had the opportunity to call you and say, Beth, help. It's really, really, really important to have people in your life that you trust, that you know they come from their heart. And and sometimes hearing feedback that doesn't feel um, nice, it doesn't mean it's meant to harm you. But it's a reality check. So I want to just encourage everybody to find people like Beth and really make a difference to others when you're truthful to yourself. Thank you, Beth. Where do people find you? So I have a a website, uh, audrachangearchitects.com, which is sort of hard to remember, but you can also email me, beth at audrachange.com. And that's A-D-R-A change.com. And I'm happy to get emails and I'm happy to have more conversations. And Roz, I just want to say one of the greatest honors of my 
uh, my professional life has been to meet you and work with you over these many, many years and write a book with you. And I just, I just want to say that it's really been my honor. Oh, thank you so much. And thank you so much for listening to our podcast. 